Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Boy, you go into Boston last night for the Wild, Jim. Nice win for them. In overtime, they did give up a 3-2 lead uh, late in the game, but Kaprizov scores the game winner. He scored during the game, looked a lot better, seemed to have some real jump in his skates last night. He did, and uh, it's interesting. During the season, he's a coach, is the main spokesperson for the team. You hear about, you know, like a scorer like Kaprizov and scoring some say, yeah, but he's still doing all the right things, still playing right. Now that's true. You get to the offseason and you're talking to the general manager, like, well, he only scored 22 goals. <laughs> yeah, right. They try to hide the fact that goals are all, all important during the season because they don't, want to, they don't want to put pressure on that part of his game. You know, so they say, we, get, we spend a lot of time in our business quoting people saying things that even they don't believe. Caprice has got to score goals for this team. Yeah. And he scored two. They weren't spectacular goals, but the timing was spectacular last night. Uh, you know, just a, a no-doubt rebound off a favor miss, and then, uh, you know, a great breakout by the team. Kaprizov getting ahead to Eck, going hard to the right wing, favor skating down the middle so the defenders had to pay attention to him. Eck, perfect pass. Kaprizov, you know, one of the easier goals he's ever going to score, uh, but he, bl- he did blast it. And that's, an impressive, that's the most impressive win of the season, going into Boston, uh, beating a very good team in a very tough place to play while shorthanded. No Spurgeon, no Brodine, no Zuccarello. That's three of their six best players right there. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was impressive. Nearly 1,000 games now in the Nets for Marc-Andre Fleury, 997 uh, last night. Uh, uh, he's still hanging in there. Has, has there been any new word? Has he considered? Is this his last season? Uh, do we know anything about that? He has refused to say it's his last season in some ways. I think... I don't think he really knows whether he wants to come back, which is the right way to approach this. He should mm-hmm. play the season out and see how he feels at the end. Probably, you know, I've, I've talked to so many players about retirement. You know, they feel like you kind of need to get through the season unless, unless you know you want it to be your last season, and he hasn't been sure about that. You kind of want to get not only through the end of the season, but also through the end of the little emotional recovery period before you make a decision. You want to really make a clear-headed decision. So in some ways, he's acted like this might be his last year, but he hasn't made the announcement. Yeah. Uh, it's been a fairly dramatic turnaround, at least in terms of results, since the coaching change uh, with Hines. Have you noticed, is the team playing harder, or is it coincidence? I mean, what's going on? Why are they so much better suddenly since the coaching change? I think that uh, I really do think it's a, just a, a shock to the system. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of players like Devison. I think in, when you have a coach you like, sometimes you get a little too comfortable. I, I think Ryan Carter made one of the best points I've heard about this coaching change. He said, said that even if a player thinks he's playing hard enough and working hard enough, you know, there's the, to, to win in the NHL, you have to have, be half-step ahead. You have to have that little edge. You have to bring it every day. And he said, you know, sometimes when you play for the same coach and you have a good relationship with that coach, you do get complacent. Not in a way that would just be obvious, but just – you know, maybe you don't make that one little gritty play that might turn the game. Maybe you, you know, maybe you don't work out quite as hard. But you feel like, hey, this is my guy. I have my job. I'm secure. New coach comes in, and everybody's got to sit up straighter and pay more attention and listen more clear- carefully. Uh, so the cliche about the change in the voice, it actually does matter. You know, huh. I think Everson just – Everson. I'm sure Hines is emphasizing many of the same things Everson did. Mm-hmm. But when you're the new coach – and you have a, do have a fresh voice, and the other guy just got fired, the players are going to listen more. Yeah. Uh, signing day, National Letterman 10th signing day 
uh, this week. I think it's actually three days, like Wednesday through or Tuesday through Thursday, something like that. Uh, it's a few days. Signings have begun. It's, does it carry the same importance now that the transfer portal is looked at so heavily even by the top programs in the country are going transfer portal for their quarterbacks. Notre Dame is doing it again uh, this year with a fifth-year senior quarterback. Does it still carry the same importance this signing day? I really don't think it does for all the reasons you just said. Uh, you know, Of course, you still want to get the top. There's, there are going to be a handful of guys out there that everybody's after, and where they go will matter greatly in the near future. But as you said, uh, you can go get a quarterback or another key position player in the portal. And, you know, if, if, yeah, so it feels like it's more part of a long process instead of the, the big day it used to be. I'm fine with players having some money of their own and uh, being able to transfer schools like a, a regular student. But there's some chaos going on right now. And a federal judge is ruling, I believe, it's uh, it might get the NCAA's rules of one free transfer could also get overturned. It could become unlimited free transfers depending on a case working its way, uh, you know, further through the courts. Uh, right now, unlimited transfers would really make things. You have to recruit your own players every year. Yeah, and I actually think that might be a good thing. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, so there are two ways to look at this. If you want to look, what is absolute best for the sport? Mm-hmm. What's probably best for the sport is players stay in one school. And you get to know them, and you know, fans develop an attachment with them and watch them develop. That's probably what's best for the sport. Mm. But it's also kind of un-American to say, uh, by the way, once you sign that little piece of paper as you know, as someone who isn't guaranteed any money as basically a full-time employee, uh, then we also have the right to keep you here, and not let you train. It's just, it's just not right, mm. you know. So. I'd rather have I'd rather have young college students having their full array of rights than worry about the state of the game. And here's the other thing: uh, whatever we say about the state of college football, they are making billions of dollars, and they're going to make more when the new playoff system comes in next year. So, you know, it, it's I think it's uncomfortable for for older fans who are used to stability, mm. but this is where we are, and it's not gonna, you know it's only going to players are only going to get more freedom as time goes on. You're feeling me a little there. You're saying it's uncomfortable yeah. for older fans. It yeah. is. It's kind of chaos. So Fleck's recruiting class, he seems to get uh, a fairly high recruiting classes each year. I don't think this ranks as one of his top classes, though, so far. This is not looking great. Yeah. Um, now, you know, sometimes three stars end up being NFL players. Sometimes five stars end up being busts. Uh, so, they're, they're, you know, I think when you're in – Minnesota's position, it's more important to get the right kind of player for you than to win some perceived recruiting battle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, you know, DJ came here kind of promising to be, you know, a nonstop, energetic, excellent recruiter, and I just don't know we're seeing that right now. Um, you know, this, the program peaks when PJ, you have PJ's enthusiasm uh, and some of his better recruits, including Rashad Bateman, who's the best player he has recruited here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you had him combined with, you know, the kill plays players like Winfield and Tyler Johnson. Uh, when those two groups of players m- merged, that's when they had their big season. And other than that, it's been kind of, you know, pretty good go for football. Uh, he, he does it. it, it the, fun, the funny thing is, you know, they have completely different personalities. Mason was a grump, and PJ's, you know, Mr. Flying on Helicopters or whatever. <laughs> um, the reality is they're kind of the same programs they were with Mason. You know, they, they 
They do a really good job with offensive line and running backs. They run the ball well. They tend to have, you know, at least one really good defensive back. And, you know, and they struggle to figure out what to do with the quarterback position. It, it feels a lot the same. Now, Mason had to play a real Big Ten schedule every year, so his Big Ten record is worse than P.J.'s. Hmm. But P.J. hasn't exactly been beating up the Big Ten since that big year he had. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Hicks, uh, medically cleared to return to practice. Uh, good sign there after that gruesome injury uh, that he suffered. Probably not coming back for the regular season, I wouldn't think, though, would he? I don't know. They, mm. They're giving him a chance to play. Now, sometimes trainers and coaches say that so they don't, they, the player is encouraged to keep working out hard. Okay. But the fact that he's coming back now and they're saying there's a chance, and maybe it's not this week, but I, I, just, I think you might see him on the field before the end of the season. Hmm. Uh, for it's the game, for the game, it's yeah, that's right. I mean, he he had his leg open. He said for like three days. Yeah. So yeah, gruesome injury uh, against the Lions this Sunday. Jared Goff, their quarterback, went through a rough patch, and then he was terrific again this last week. You got to hit Jared Goff to get him off his spot, don't you? Yes, uh, blitzing and pressuring are going to be absolute keys in this game. He is an accurate passer. He uh, he has a nice array of weapons. Uh, Mon Ross, St. Brown is really good. Mm-hmm. Jameson Williams is erratic, but he is a deep threat. Uh, and then Gibbs out of the backfield is really dangerous. Uh, he's got, and Laporta has become one of the better tight ends in the league already as a rookie. So uh, he, when he has time, he can he can beat you. Uh, you do need to blitz him. You need to. He's better enough, I will say, confuse him, but but fluster him as much as possible. And that, you know that's such a. Anytime you see a. Anytime you see an NFL upset and you go try to figure out why it happened, so often it's a pass rush. Yeah. You, know, you can turn – It's you just think about it. I mean, you get there in time, it's a sack. Maybe it's a strip sack and a fumble. Maybe it's even a return touchdown. You don't get there, it's a 40-yard touchdown pass. It's just the biggest swing play in football. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.